Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Well podcast from Morneau Chappelle. I'm Mark Kennick. We're continuing our conversation this week on politics and policy when it comes to mental health and well-being. On the first part of the episode, we took a more global view. Today, though, on the show, we're going to be looking at this from a, a federal and provincial level here in Canada, at least. I spoke with Michael Tobolo. He's the Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions for the province of Ontario, Canada. You'll hear the really interesting conversation we had in the second half of the episode today. But first, I want to share with you the chat that I had with my longtime friend, Senator Michael Kirby. Mike was appointed to the Senate by Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, where he served for more than 20 years. His groundbreaking report on mental health in Canada led to the creation of the Mental Health Commission of Canada, which he chaired, and ushered in Canada's first ever national mental health strategy. He also brought me on as a member of the board of directors there, so we've had some great conversations, uh, and this has been one of them. Mike has been part of the fabric of mental health reform and advocacy in Canada and worldwide for decades now. So here's our conversation, partly about his deep historical perspectives on the politics of mental health and well-being. I've wanted to talk to you and, and touch base again with you for so long uh, because you were the one who uh, originally brought me on to the board of directors uh, for the Mental Health Commission of Canada. You were still chair then, and, and we went through in my tenure a, a couple of more chairs after that. Um, but you've long been a hero of mine, and I, I think I've told you that in person. I've had the great fortune to tell you that in person uh, because of the work that you've done in mental health. So. Uh, I'm really fortunate and grateful for the opportunity to talk to you about uh, why you're passionate about this issue. Why are you passionate about mental health? Uh, in 2003, uh, this, I was at that time chairing the Senate Social Affairs Committee, and we had just completed uh, a very major report on, let me call it the Medicare system, the overall healthcare system in Canada. Uh, and uh, the members of the committee were sitting around talking about, well, what should we do next? And there, so this is 11 senators, and the first one says, well, I think we ought to do mental health because when my husband died suddenly from a heart attack and my daughter was only 15, she uh, became anorexic. The, The stress on her was such, and it took took uh, her mother forever to get proper help. And the second Mm -hmm. person said they thought that we ought to do mental health because she had a sister-in-law who uh, was schizophrenic and was in and out of the Dartmouth Hospital all the time in Halifax. And uh, they thought the care she was getting was awful. And so it went round the room. Somebody else that had a nephew commit suicide, I was the last one to speak. I pointed out that my sister had uh, severe depression. Uh, she too became anorexic. She actually attempted suicide, which thank goodness didn't, uh, didn't work. Um, the good news in her particular case was that with the right kind of uh, psychiatric drugs and the right uh, type of help from a psychiatrist, um, she was able to get uh, back together and uh, well enough that she could uh, finish her undergraduate work and then go on and get a master's degree uh, and then work uh, running homes for the developmentally challenged and the mentally ill for the, the rest of her life. So there was a positive ending to that. 
But in the meantime, I will tell you, I thought it was the worst part of the healthcare system I'd ever seen. And mm. what were what most people do when that happens is you sort of figure, well, it's a big system and there's bound to be the odd bad example. Uh, so, you know, my sister, unfortunately, had, you know, had drawn the short straw. But when you got 11 out of 11 senators uh, covering all parties, uh, having exactly the same experience, what I mean by the same experience, equally negative views on the mental health system, there was clearly something wrong. So we set out to investigate and study and report on the Canadian mental health system. When we started that in 2004, we did not know that there had never ever been uh, a national report on the mental health system. There'd been over 300 reports on the overall healthcare system, but very little on mm. the mental health system and no national report. And you were quite, you became quite famous for the line, uh, I, and I'm paraphrasing, I think, but essentially uh, calling the, the mental health care system in Canada the poor second cousin of the, of the health care system, that it, it just didn't get the same kind of recognition, like you're saying. No, it was not only the recognition in terms of sort of money, but in fact, uh, large parts of the health care system looked down on the mental health system. I mean, mm -hmm. they thought that when you got seriously mentally ill, uh, what the Canadian strategy was then, uh, that you just warehouse people, you put them in a, in a large institution, uh, which they were expected to stay in for the rest of their life. There was no notion that they might get better. Uh, there was not a lot of treatment in those uh, big insane asylums, in fact, is what they were, they were generally referred to until, uh, really sometime, uh, in the 2000, you know, in the last 20 years. So uh, it, 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 when you begin to look at something that's never been looked at before and you start turning over rocks uh, and you start talking to people who are in the system, you suddenly discover uh, that it has a whole lot of faults that you would never have anticipated. And, and that's why the Senate committee called the report out of the shadows at last because in our view, it had been in the shadows for the entire Canadian history until our report came out in 2006. Yeah. Um, where did Canada stand internationally? Uh, were we, was that pretty commonplace at the time uh, from other countries you looked um, at? It had been commonplace up through, let's say, the 80s. Starting in the 90s, a number of countries led by Australia, but... Uh, even the United States had a national commission on mental health. The UK had moved a long way ahead. And, of course, the parts of, of Europe were way ahead. So I would say that, you know, of the major industrialized countries, we were clearly down in the bottom quarter uh, compared to other countries. But that other countries had really only gotten into it maybe, maybe 20 years earlier. So... We were late to the party, but the party had not been going for very long. Right. So then in a country like Canada, where, uh, you know, you have 10 different jurisdictions or 13 different jurisdictions in terms of administering uh, health care on the ground, what is the federal government's role uh, in mental health? How can the federal government improve uh, mental health care? Well, its principal role at the beginning, after our report came out, the issues started to get a lot more attention, and it was helped enormously, too, by 
the private sector bells let's talk campaign began uh, about the same time as our um, report came out. Uh, government started to pay a little more attention. But the real role of the federal government in any healthcare field is uh, talking to the provinces and leading, uh, you know, uh, job owning people doing various things to arouse, keep the issue in the public eye. And it began to do that um, slowly at first, but then began to do it with the creation of the Mental Health Commission, which uh, had been recommended in the Senate Committee report. Um, mm-hmm. it, it then started to do it at a much greater pace, and that became uh, sort of where it, it, it got in. But, uh, but I, I can tell you, it, the best example I can give you is that in 2000 and just before the Senate report came out, I went across the country and I talked to every single uh, minister of health in each province and territory. And in the, I began the conversation by asking them um, what, uh, what were their top three priorities. Mental health was never, ever mentioned by anybody. Hmm. And when I did the same thing right after the Mental Health Commission, was announced by the government so three years later mental health was on everybody's list in the top three in one case it was in first place but my you know bureaucracies and political priorities move slowly but in that space of time from from sort of uh 2004 to 2007 uh the role of mental health had expanded uh, had risen on everybody's priority list enormously. And that's, that's not easy to do. I mean, that's, it's not the function of one person or one group. It's just that by continually making it a public issue, people kept talking about it, and that in turn turned it into a, an issue that governments were prepared to deal with. Right. Now, there's been, uh, I think it's been mentioned several times, this idea of a national report card or, or rating the provinces, rating uh, the various sectors of, especially the mental health care system in Canada. Um, not from the not from the perspective of naming and shaming, you know, people who are not doing a good job, although that's probably helpful to know, too. Uh, but in a sense of uh, building in a, a system of competition of sorts or, or knowing the landscape better, something like that doesn't currently exist in Canada. It does exist in others. Do you think that that would uh, serve a role having a sort of national mental health uh, report card in Canada? Oh, I, I think it would be useful, but you'll absolutely never, ever get it. And the reason you won't get it is that it would require that the provincial governments be willing to live with a situation in which an independent observer was going to come along and rate their performance. And if the performance was negative, of course, that would have negative political consequences for the provincial government. So, but, but if the uh, if the report was negative, though, wouldn't we wouldn't service users wouldn't Canadians want to know that so we could advocate better for change? Oh, of course. No, look, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, that's why I say I think it'd be a terrific idea. I'm just telling you from a practical standpoint. Right. You'll never get it because the provinces won't agree, and they hold. They have all the data. So. Uh, you know, if it, whoever the organization was that was going to do the rating, if the provinces didn't give them the data, there'd be nothing they could report on. So it just won't happen, as it, right. as it hasn't happened in other parts of the healthcare sector. 
Right. Well, I mean, given the the uh, situation of the pandemic, you know, I've myself predicted uh, that we'll be facing an, an echo pandemic of mental health issues now that, you know, so many people have lost their jobs, they've lost income, uh, they're isolated, they're scared that we don't know when this is, we didn't know that this was coming, and we don't know when it's going to be over. So it's been traumatic for a lot of people. And that, I think, right. as has happened in the past, for example, with SARS, uh, uh, could fuel a, an increased pressures on the mental health care system. So in the last 10 years, while yes, we've made a lot of progress in terms of talking and, and, and awareness, great, uh, but has the service system actually improved in that time, potentially to meet the demand that's well, coming? Well, I, look, uh, the, the, there's going to be a huge demand on the healthcare system, mental health system, there is now from uh, the pandemic, but thank goodness it's been recognized. They've been putting additional money into mental health uh you know, the government and employers have recognized the problem. Uh, now, are there enough services? No, there aren't. Um, you could argue sometimes that there aren't enough healthcare services either. But uh, there are more services than there were, say, a decade or 15 years ago when uh, we were working on the mental health report. But uh, it takes a crisis to get services increase when you realize that that the funding for mental health comes out of the health care budget i mean to put it very crudely uh, you know someone someone somewhere allocating money has to decide are we going to do 10 more hips or are we going to fund 10 more people uh that need psychiatric help um at least at discussions now being held and the overall uh, coverage for mental health uh, is getting a lot better, but the next two years are going, or year and a half certainly are going to be really stressful on the system. But good things come out of stress because governments, uh, particularly now that it's mental health, governments will not uh, just ignore it the way they would have ignored it 20 years ago. You know, it's interesting you mention that because myself as a, you know, I've been very open about my own uh, use of the of the mental health care system as a teenager uh, and how it's common knowledge among service users, people with lived experience, that you have to be in crisis in order to get help. Maybe now policymakers right. are starting to have the, a, simil- a very similar kind of experience. They're faced with a crisis now, uh, and, and now people are watching how they'll respond. And that's what I think will make the real change. People like you, uh, Mike, who have been on the front lines for so long, um, calling for the changes that need to happen, regardless of how people feel about it, regardless of it makes people uh, upset or not to hear, hear the real hard truth. So um, thank you for uh, really being an early leader uh, in sharing your voice. Uh, you've changed the Canadian mental health ca- landscape for the better in so many ways, and I'm so grateful to you for that. Thank you, Mark, and I'm delighted to have a chance to chat with you again. Thanks so much. Michael Kirby is a former senator uh, in the Senate of Canada, and he's the former chair of the Mental Health Commission of Canada. The Living Well podcast is brought to you by WellCan, a free mental health and well-being resource offered by Morneau Chappelle. At wellcan.ca and on the WellCan app in the App Store, you'll find information, assessments, and resources to support your mental health. WellCan resources are supplied by Morneau Chappelle's expert clinicians, as well as through partnerships with some of the biggest companies from across Canada and around the world. And now back to the Living Well podcast and your host, Mark Hannick.
Welcome back to the Living Well Podcast. I'm Mark Hennick. Today on the show, we have the Honorable Michael Tobolo. Michael is the Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions at the Ministry of Health for the province of Ontario. Welcome to the show, Minister Tobolo. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, that's a, a fairly unique position, or at least one of very few, uh, exclusively or primarily dedicated to mental health within government. Can you tell me more about your role and, and uh, with the provincial government with respect to mental health and addictions? Yes, um, I was appointed to the role of uh, Minister, Associate Minister for Mental Health and Addictions for the province, um, and I hoped that I would eventually uh, have it as a as a separate ministry within health. I mean, mental health has always been the orphan child of health. Um, it's needed a lot of dedication, attention, focus. And uh, it's always been kind of a secondary issue. So I'm very happy to be here and I'm very happy to, uh, to have this role, which is unique. There are only three of us uh, uh, in, the, in Canada um, and I am the first in Ontario. So I'm, I'm very proud and privileged to have this position. Now, I, I feel like, you know, we've been having this conversation about mental health service delivery uh, uh, for a very long time. Uh, would you say that in, the ten, in your tenure so far, and, and hopefully what you have planned uh, into the future, would you say that mental health care in Ontario specifically is accessible and is comprehensive, uh, given the need that, that we're seeing? based on where i came from remember i was in this area for 10 years banging my head against the wall trying to get government to understand the importance of investments in mental health i mean we have seen and identified and flogged the issues to death i think that with the uh, roadmap to mental wellness that we created again a unique document created here in the province of ontario we've identified where the services need to be and where they need to be specific and integrated around that individual on a needs basis. Then what we've done is we've looked at a step care model and we've looked to see what services exist for individuals in those age groups through all the different regions of the, the province. And then what we did was we specifically looked at the needs of communities. So the LGBTQ2 community, the indigenous community, the Francophone community, the black community, um, what we've tried to do there is identify the other community that I'm very interested to is so in supporting is the neurodevelopmentally ch uh, challenged and, and the learning, those with learning disabilities. We identified them and we basically met with them. We had, I can't tell you how many stakeholder meetings to understand what the specific needs are for each of those different communities. So overlaying that on a step care model and looking at the different regions, how can we provide supports within the communities? And my work, um, unfortunately, has been a a bit delayed because of the COVID-19, but my work is now to look at each of those different uh, groups and each of those different uh, life uh, 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 lifespan segments and try to ensure that as many of the services that can be developed or, or that can be provided are provided within the community where the individual lives so that we don't have people having to fly five hours, three hours to get to a center in Toronto to seek support and seek help. Um, you know, a lot of the solutions are not solutions. And again, I, I know you're an expert in the area as well. You have to invest today to realize the mm. results in the future. It isn't going to happen overnight, especially after 15 well, years what, of neglect in the sector. Certainly, and, and perhaps even longer, I think. But what are the specific outcomes or what are the specific metrics that you're trying to change here that you're measuring? Is it hospitalizations? Is it suicides? Uh, what, what are you trying to change? Yeah. 
Well, the first thing that I'd uh, I'd like to do is I'd like to see the numbers accurately reflected in terms of the people that require mental health supports. You know, we have these mobile intervention crisis units, for instance, that are attending uh, many homes, uh, uh, and and the police officers are having to deal with the, the issues that they shouldn't have to deal with. Um, I'd like to a better metric in in terms of understanding how many people. Uh, how many issues actually related to mental health. So for instance, a police officer attending a crime, if it's a break and enter, will categorize it as a break and enter. But if that person had a mental health issue or an addiction issue, it's not categorized, it's not, it's not written anywhere as to the real reason, the underlying root cause of that problem. So I'm interested in, in measuring those metrics. I'm, I'm extremely anxious about providing services and reducing wait time. So for me, one of the one of the items on the command table is what are we doing to create a scenario where we can monitor wait times and reduce them. Again, if your your premise is that the earlier you intervene, the better off you are from the standpoint of a long-term result, how do you justify not investing in education and, and, and prevention? Now, you may not see the results for 10 or 15 years, but investing today is going to give us a huge result later on. So I'm focused again on on best evidence practices that we know work here in the province of Ontario that work in other parts of the in Canada or the world even. Uh, for instance, structured psychotherapy was something we brought over from England, first province to be doing that. Um, my measurement of success is encouraging people to use the uh, services reduce the wait time for services and measure the outcomes from the standpoint of was it effective in terms of treatment to help an, an individual with anxiety, depression. And then what I would like to see happen is I'd like to see proper measurements of through the justice system, through the emergency room, how well and how effective are investments that are being made in providing community support services are impacting on our justice system, on our emergency rooms by reducing the amount of, uh, of, uh, of use of, of, of places where the highest and most expensive care is being utilized in many cases for situations that are that are not uh, that don't require those types of services. And you know, you measured, you mm -hmm. mentioned suicide. Suicide is a is a huge issue that we have at both ends of the spectrum when it comes to uh, the lifespan. Um, looking at ways to support our seniors through geriatric uh, psychology, which is something that, that that's not even uh, studied uh, it, it, to the extent that it should be in terms of preparing people for it. And, and of course, our youth. Um, you know, our government, and that's one thing that I'm very proud of, our government is making investments that are not necessarily tied to the election cycle. Um, our investments are in things that are going to have results long after uh, our government is, 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 is in power, and I hope, and hopefully will embed a new way of thinking about mental health where it is no longer the orphan child of health that is seen as an integral part of ensuring the health of every person in the province of Ontario. We always say you cannot be healthy if you're not mentally healthy. Your mental health is the core, it's the base of, of your health. And we, we know this through a lot of somatic type uh, ailments that people suffer from that are, are really uh, based on, 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 on issues, uh, on mental health issues. So w we need to do more. I'm not suggesting we've done it all or that we're gonna be able to do it all, but I wanna change the focus. I wanna ensure, and I think that's what my role is as associate minister. It's to put a focus on mental health 
And when I get pushed back that we need more, you know, beds in the hospital or we've, we need to, to do more from a healthcare standpoint to make sure that I stand up for the people of the province to say, yes, this is very important. But at the same time, we've got to help people from the mental health standpoint. And everybody, I mean, if you look at the statistics today, the, the, the amount of uh, uh, studies that have been done and, and polls, everyone's coming back talking about, you know, a mental health act, uh, issue relating to anxiety to go back to work or anxiety because they can't go back to work because they've now become a stay-at-home mom and teacher. Um, you know, it's impacting in a huge way uh, with women. And, um, I, you know, we need to do more. We need to mm -hmm. do and be focused and make sure that the proper supports are there for the, you know, for the parents, for the for the kids, uh, for, for every segment of the lifespan yeah. in um, you know, the individuals that live in the province. The Honorable Michael Tabolo, he's Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions for the Ministry of Health at the province, in the province of Ontario, and he knows his stuff. Thank you very much, Associate Minister, for taking the time to chat with me today. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you for your work as well in the uh, in the sector. I know that uh, that, that you're very uh, well connected and, 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 and knowledgeable in the sector, and that these are the kinds of people that I'd like to have more conversations with. So uh, please engage me anytime. Thank you so much. Take care. You've been listening to the Living Well Podcast. Mark Hennick is our host and executive producer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the show. There's no cost involved. You just hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a comment and a rating to let us know how we're doing. For more information about the show and the WellCan Project, visit wellcan.ca. The Living Well Podcast is produced for Morneau Chappelle by Mark Hennick and Eye Contact Productions. I'm Dave Trafford. 